Trash, The Final Frontier. Welcome to the bridge of the Starship Hague for Strange New Pods, a podcast miniseries covering Strange New Worlds. I'm Captain Justin, and joining me on my away mission are my science officer, Anna, and xenoanthropologist, Jude. Jude! Uh, point of point of, of interest, uh, it, by xenoanthropologist, xenoanthropo- do you basically mean uh, alien dick expert? I mean... Is, is, is remember, that what we're going remember, for with that every t- time, Every time something is listed as a ritual object, we just know that's a sex toy. <laughs> just clarifying i mean i'm not objecting i'm just i just wanted See, to clarify that that's, I, what, right. that's what the intention was that's why we have you all this mission i would like to say that okay. when i suggested xenoanthropologist as your like starfleet uh title mm-hmm. it was based off of your like tolkien um <laughs> like uh-huh yeah like actually I know you don't believe me, but I, not even I believe bit. you because you're because you're you're the you're the most normal of us. <laughs> yeah, there has to be somebody as the counterweight. <laughs> uh, it just makes the times that I do say things that are truly cursed like that much better. That's true. That's true. I like that we have rotated all the way around from being a uh, a B five podcast and explicitly trying not to talk about star trek to fuck it legitimately covering star trek so let's talk about that part of that was like i didn't want to have the cross contamination for a while so i almost just didn't watch star trek for like Mm -hmm. the majority of the time that we were doing bad pod because i'm just like i don't want this because i hate the stupid like whatever that is i hate the stupid comparisons and stuff and i just want to go on this yeah Mm -hmm. but no strange new worlds looked fun uh, yeah, it felt very like like from the trailers and everything. It was a specific feel that I was looking for, and it's only ten episodes. I can tell you exactly why I wanted to watch it because Captain Pike. <laughs> yeah, he, he really is like <laughs> Pike his... on Discovery was the best thing that show has ever d- has done. He's yeah so good on Discovery. He comes in to this dreary ass season, and he's just like what up bitches space is fucking awesome let's have fun and i love it and he is so good in that show he makes uh, don't get me wrong i don't hate discovery there's a lot i love about discovery almost none of it is the plot but uh (laughs) there's a lot of things about discovery i think are good but i think that he is the best thing that that show did i haven't watched the most recent season so maybe they actually like stopped uh having disasters every 18 seconds i doubt it uh and actually like had characters and let them be characters for a little bit uh but the best part of discovery that i've watched has been pike and the fact that he forced them to like slow down and talk to each other and have (laughs) character interactions Yeah. yeah and so the idea of having like old school episodic track focused around this legitimately great character played by the uh, bizarrely charismatic Anson Mount, who you may previously know as fucking Black Bolt from the t- <laughs> the TV show that didn't happen. Spoilers, I guess. Uh, you probably saw him this weekend if you went to the movies. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> because he's apparently a Doctor Strange. This is what I I'm see. told. Yeah. Black Bolt's back. But yeah, apparently, like, he just had... I watched a few episodes of that show, and his chem- his charisma did not come through in that role the way it does in this one. I'm told he's much more enjoyable in Hell on Wheels. He's also got spectacular coif of hair in the show. Oh my yeah. gosh, it's... I'm so jealous. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know, like... It's a thing. It is some like space technology grade coif going on. It's very good. It's very 60s, which is, I mean, mm-hmm. there, yeah. there's there's some retro future stuff here. Um, so I have a question for both of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you all get into Star Trek? It's literally my earliest memory. Funny. Mine as well. But, yeah. but, but I actually started watching it a lot later. I, I can't compete with that. Yeah, like when I was real little, like my parents would just put on like the bootleg next generation VHSs that our friend who had cable recorded for us. And like one of my earliest memories is like being a like four year old dancing around the living room to the next generation theme song. Because, you know, that's what you do when you're a four year old. I. Remember, my grandma loved Star Trek because my grandma was awesome and she would put on Next Generation. I lived with my grandma for a while. Me and my mom and my brother lived with my grandma for a while and she put on Star Trek because she loved the the original. She put So she would put on Next Gen when it first started up. So she watched it from like as it aired. So she mm-hmm. would put it on TV and I remember sitting in front of the TV watching Next Gen with a fuck off gigantic bin of Legos in front of me, uh, making tricorders and pads with my Legos. Oh, while, that's great. While, while, while watching next gen. I love that. And I had like, I had all the action figures. So like I grew up watching next generation. So I was a huge next gen fan growing up. I always used to like vaguely look forward to being sick when I was a little kid because being sick meant that I had unlimited access to the wall of bootleg VHS tapes. Nice. So it'd be like, oh, no, I have a fever. I have to just watch 14 straight hours of Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) My, My earliest memory is the TNG theme song, but I wasn't introduced into it until like I was a teenager when I like when I was in middle school, my my parents split, and so we were going back and forth, back and forth. And my dad, as part of like the times he had us, would like be like, "Okay, we're gonna do like cultural enrichment," and you know had a Netflix subscription, so we'd get like a couple movies or something. And then one day he's like, "Okay, we're gonna try watching Star Trek because like you know this he's like this is something that I." So we, we mm-hmm. this was back when you had three discs that you got from Netflix and Netflix didn't have a website where you could watch movies on. Yeah. God. yeah. The old days. Back when Netflix was good. <laughs> what the? Right before. And so we're, we're like, I, I'm into it. And I'm like, I'm and like, I, I'm watching it. So we go up to like my grandparents house and we have a couple discs and we're watching like TNG season one and we're on the couch. And my dad sees my sister who is like got her arms on the back of the couch, like looking over it and like sitting there, sitting there, like watching, like, but trying not to be noticed. And my dad's like, you know, you can sit down with us. And my sister in the quietest voice says, 
I don't want to be a nerd. <laughs> I, I just want to make it very clear. Yesterday I asked my sister if I could tell that story. Because <laughs> it is. That's funny. It's very good. It's, Speaking great. of themes, uh, I made a note while we were watching this that possibly controversially, I would I would put, say that this is the best Star Trek theme. I'm, I, it's not the best, but it definitely slaps. Yeah, I, I think I think I've what's like, better though. Uh, I think like t- like between the original series and Next Gen, those are just mm-hmm. so iconic. Uh, yeah. They're iconic, but it's the the original theme is not that good. It's it's a little like thin, and uh, Next Gen maybe. Like I next, love the next gen theme. Yeah, I think like your I think your thing with next generation is how much do you like brass? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which which I am like I I personally have the opinion that like it's great and like the the Boston Pops cover of the TNG theme song is like a height that you can't yeah. reach many other times. I'll give you TNG, but certainly I would not put the the original I mean, or any of the I'm saying this points. partly because I want I don't want people on my back. Um, <laughs> because I don't mind. I don't care. There's nostalgia value too to the original series yeah. theme. Yeah, I feel like this theme manages to strike a really nice balance of like being extremely reminiscent of the the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got it's got the the theme right there. Yeah. But also I feel like it it's got a lot of like modern musical aspects mm-hmm. and I think it actually succeeds at what Enterprise attempted to do. Yeah. Mm. I think it also succeeds where in a lot of ways I think next generation the one thing that next gen fails to do which is it it it's got a dynamism that the next gen putting aside the music but like the actual intro sequence that the next gen intro sequence lacks. The Whoosh. Well, Whoosh. yeah that that was that was partly Whoosh. because like I mean the reason why like DS Nine and Voyager have that is that like there just was not the CGI for well no there wasn't even the CGI because that's a model yeah in the TNG one I'm just saying it's on top of being like a good song like the intro sequence is also very good mm-hmm. yeah um, but here's my slightly more cursed version of that question. Where do you rank it against the B5 intros? Um, mm. I have no attachment to any of the B5 intros. Sorry. Um, oh, I not even season three or four. No, no. I put it. I I would say that the season three is S tier. I would put season three of B5 up there with TNG. I might have to re-listen to them, but like it's there. There is something about a good Star Trek theme that just makes it infinitely more valuable to me as a cultural property than anything else <laughs> yeah that the thing is, like to me that's how like season three of like the season three babylon five i theme, think part of it is because it's only around for one season it just slips from my memory yeah that's fair yeah also we had the season five babylon five which, theme which then tainted everything else yeah not Retro- great. Retroactively. Not um, but great. The, the season three and season four B5, like season season three, the music really slaps. And then season four, the thing where they're like all saying, you know, it was the year of blah. Yeah. Is very solid. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, okay. 
now, uh, I guess we're, we're going to do a brief summary here. And I promise you, it's actually going to be like short compared to a B5 one. But yeah, this is going to be season one, episode one, Strange New Worlds, uh, written by Akiva Goldsman and Alex Kurtzman and Jenny Wumay, and directed by Akiva Goldsman. Captain Pike, who is presently on leave from Montana, remember when he got to see a vision of him in the the the, the weird beep chair and horribly radiation poisoned? Yeah, he's traumatized from that. Uh, is called back into action by Admiral April when the USS Archer, commanded by Una Chin Riley, a.k.a. Number 1, has a first contact mission go awry. Pike reluctantly agrees to take the job and picks up Spock, who has just accepted to, to bring his offer of marriage and makes, you know, Pike the worst cock blocker in maybe existence right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to talk about that. It's way hotter than it should have been. They head to the world Kylie 279, which has the first hints of warp technology, but they don't find a warp drive. Instead, they find a warp bomb. With the help of Nurse Chapel's new genetic masking technique, they infiltrate the society of Kylie 279, which is in the midst of a civil unrest. A an unrest that the government plans to end with the use of the warp bomb. They rescue number one and the rest of the science team, who reveals the, that the Kylie inhabitants discovered warp technology due to the proximity of the space battle at the end of Discovery's second season. Pike believes that since they are responsible, he decides to violate General Order 1 and reveal themselves. Pike and Spock address the Kylie leader, and when he realizes that they won't be dissuaded with words, reveals the Enterprise. This sets off a peace talk fuck between the Prime them. Directive. Just fuck it. Screw the Prime Directive is <laughs> so good. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, General Order Number One. General Order One. The Prime Directive yeah. that won't stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this sets off a peace talk between the government and opposition factions. But when Pike senses the talks are going nowhere, he beams down and talks to them about that Earth was once at their crossroads. They failed, and World War Three happened. Pike offers them a choice: obliterate each other or reach for the stars. We get a montage where it seems that the arrival of aliens and the depiction of something better and the realization of their possible fate sort of puts them on the right path for now. Back on Starbase 1, Admiral April debriefs the crew and says they barely survived getting court-martialed. April asks Pike if he wants to stay on Enterprise, and he agrees. La'an Noonien Singh, who was acting as number one throughout this mission, reveals that she knows number one as she helped rescue her after she was captured by the Gorn as a child. Pike asks Lon to trust him and offers his position as security officer. With Enterprise ready to leave Space Talk, they take on one last officer, Lieutenant Kirk, George Samuel, who will be on Life Sciences. Pike orders them out, and we are on our way. Yeah. The thing that this summary leaves out is how relentlessly horny this episode is in the I, first fifteen, I, I, in the first yeah. ten minutes or so. It yeah. starts out with Pike's fuck buddy, who's uh, I, I checked her name I, because I Captain Battelle. Yeah, who is uh, naked in his bed while he hand makes her pancakes in his palatial Montana. Uh, farm in the middle of the snow uh, and then from there we cut to Spock uh, flirt sparring with his soon to be fiance and then the two of them in bed 
as they're about to undress, just as Spock gets pike blocked by his captain. <laughs> and there is some unbelievably good dialogue here where uh, when the Spock, are call you naked? comes in. No, I, I was yeah. not. He was about to be. <laughs> yeah, to bring is. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And it's all in the first. This is the first thing the show wants you to know. And I, I love I love Justin's summary here uh, of this. And that is the first two things that the show wants you to know is that Pike is daddy and Spock fucks. <laughs> and I can't argue with it's either of those. Like, it's like, this is the priorities that we need in fiction. It's like, I'm, first of all, Pike's like, okay, we, we, we're going to joke about this with the pilot of another show that we're going to be covering. Are we going to talk about that beard? Yeah, that beard actually looks good compared to like, compared to like, uh, God, like John, <laughs> the person of interest, per- person of interest. like <laughs> the no. person of interest, like shaved off pube glued back on. beard. Yeah, I mean, like here it's here. It's Pike looks like distinguished. It's the it's the difference between like somebody who's just like cannot grow a beard and like instinctively could like become like a deep philosopher if they didn't shave for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's unfair how good Anson, Anson Mount's hair is. Yeah. It's tremendous. Yeah, In a single like square inch of his head, I think he has like more hair than I have on my entire head. Like <laughs> oh, it's really impressive. It's luxurious. It's the only word for it. It's luxurious. I just think it's great that that's what they, the show wants us to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's important to to remember that we are in a generation of writers now that grew up with shipping and fan fiction. They're not dumb. Like Mm -hmm. these people know what we're going to do with this and they know what's going to happen. So it can't be accidental that that's how the show starts. So I, I think it's entirely intentional that we are starting the show knowing that pike is daddy and and spock fucks (laughs) i also have a theory that we'll get to in a little bit about spike and pock spike and pock about pike and (laughs) i mean hey we've got a ship name now (laughs) yeah right um well that's the thing i would not ship those two oh No, I I, I think not. I think Spock is instantly shippable with any captain of the Enterprise. Yep, <laughs> I I can go either way on it. Honestly, my next point is is about those two, and that's that their relationship is so good right away. My one thing I love about this episode is that they center the episode very much on Pike's wrestling with the revelation of what mm-hmm. of, of the future he knows where he's going to end up in just under 10 years and i love that little bit there where he's like you know not not too soon about 10 years is that soon feel soon now like yeah i love his anxiety about this which is fucking reasonable yeah but i love that he doesn't like hold on to it for like three episodes the way that some of these shows would do it he's mm-hmm. like spock walks in and goes like Hey, bro, you're stressing. And Pike is like, yes, bro, I'm stressing. And they talk about it like yeah. people who trust each other. And it's like my number one pet peeve in, in fiction is people who trust each other, not actually talking to each other. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's great that like their first scene face, like their second scene face to face, their first scene face to face is Pike sassing Spock about like duty rosters and stuff. And the second is Spock like getting him to talk about it. Yeah. And, and we don't, yeah. And we don't have great. the like the thing of like, you know, Spock doesn't like have anything about like human emotions or anything. He actually is a good friend. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he doesn't have to drag it out of him. You know, he just asks, he says, you know, they just talk about yeah. it and they trust each other. And I love that. And and I feel like that's actually going back to, I want to ping off of what Justin said with you. Know, Spock isn't, you know, going into whole, some sort of like big snit about human emotions. And I feel like that's going back to, OG Spock, right? Mm-hmm. Like that OG Spock was a logical being, but like I think perceived the value of of emotions for broadly people who weren't him <laughs> and like you know that they've kind of moved away from that in a lot of the other Vulcans that we've seen since Spock from the original series. Mm-hmm. And it's night it, I feel like they've this Spock feels like actual Spock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and he 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 looks the part too. Yeah. I think he he he's a, a really good casting for it. And I have to say, something I'll really give the show credit for is I instantly love all of these characters. Oh my god. Every single one of them. I yeah. So I, I let's go let's go through the, the cast because the like there, there is like so we've got Captain Pike who I mean is I think we've made ourselves clear. Yeah, on he's doing his best. Uh, Ethan Peck is like I I I think I I warmed up to him as Spock, and I think this writing team. I didn't love him on Discovery season two. But I think I, towards the end, I sort yeah. I warmed up to him, and I think it is very important. I think it is very good that like Spock is like. Yeah, no, I miss Michael, and which I'm like, yes, yes, give this to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like give me like sad Spock because I think Spock should always be a little sad. But let's talk about some. Let's talk about some of our. I maybe not uh, entirely new because uh, there there are a couple characters here who have been shown in Trek before, but maybe we're in the the either the, the the unscreened pilot or in the cage. Mm-hmm. So like one episode, which as a funny thing, uh, a, a, a colleague of mine on the side I write for joked that this might be the longest that a series has ever gone from pilot to production, considering that the original <laughs> pilot for the original series was filmed in 1964. It's pretty good. <laughs> and so now, now we are finally getting a, a series of Captain Pike, number one and Mr. Spock. Yep. Yeah, but speaking of number one, oh yeah, Rebecca Romain comes back as number one, and she's freaking awesome. She tweeted something really hilarious. She tweeted a picture of her father-in-law <laughs> with a cardboard standee of her in her uniform, standing in the subway, and apparently her her father-in-law was so hyped that she was on Star Trek that he was standing in the subway, being like, "This is my daughter. She's on Star Trek. She's number one now." That oh would my be God. my as dad. If there that are would be people, my dad, honestly. <laughs> as if there are people that don't like. I just think that's like adorable and hilarious that he was like just out there, like just telling people, like. That's great. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we have we have a we have a couple bridge crew. Uh, uh, Lieutenant Erica Ortegas, as well as um, and is she the is she the one with the like shaved sides? Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't? She's got a great look. Yeah. Yeah, a great look, and she gets a couple of good lines where. <laughs> She gets like in particular. She gets one line where she's like, "It's always while I'm while I'm at the com God, when when so the uh, alien gets loose on the ship and they're like having to chase the alien around towards the bridge." Um, very good uh, delivery on that. But I assume that we'll get more of her because they they're obviously setting her up to to have yeah she's she's in the crowd for presence she's in the crowds yeah and there's also oh, cadet uh Celia Rose Goodick as Cadet Uhura. Who instantly, like, I don't think yeah. you, I don't think it's possible for you to, like, I, I think it is just like a blessing that has been left on CBS and Paramount that they cannot cast a bad Uhura. Yeah. 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 From her, like, first moments, she's just so, I, I love her and Pike because she reflects Pike's energy really well, where yeah. she's like, just super thrilled to be there and i love her scene in the turbo lift with the alien where like the aliens running away from nurse chapel who we'll talk about in a second um (laughs) and she like calms him down by like having apparently like researched their national sport and is like chatting with him about their their national sport and chilling out. And he's like all enthusiastically chatting with her about the sport when Nurse Chapel shanghais him with a fucking before she a, a fucking bounces on him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about let's talk about the the, the medical ethics of the room. Yeah. Uh, we have Jess Bush as Nurse Christine Chapel, who is from the from like I think it's the Stanford Morehouse epigenetic research. I want to say that's right. Yeah, um, she's I, technically a civilian. Yeah, uh, a civilian nurse that is basically affiliated with uh, Starfleet to work on this genetic stuff. Yeah, which I think is a rather cool little, uh, which is a cool little twist of like, oh hey, civilians on civilians on starships, they've yeah. always existed. She's so good. Every literally every line she has is either sarcastic, snarky. Or, like, a little bit disturbingly enthusiastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep, exactly. And, and the rapport she has with very Do- good. And the rapport she has with Dr. Babanga is so yeah. dang good. They're, they're like, it's this weird, like, mentor and, like, psychotic student relationship. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, the old, like, the way I would describe Chapel is, like, manically enthusiastic. Yeah. yeah. I love the doctor too. Oh, he, he's great. Yeah. Like at apparent, like uh, who who is a recast of the uh, from the he he appears in the original series. I believe a couple uh, two appearances in the original nice. series. Interesting. Yeah, like he he's he is the other doctor on on the Enterprise. Yeah, like he appears in Private Little War and That Which Survives, which are both episodes that I don't remember. But yeah, it's cool. It's it's a fun little thing because Leonard McCoy is off somewhere being an interesting character and we don't need him because I... I Presumably he's off banging Dax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had the hands of a surgeon. 
<laughs> um, Some lines just stick with you, man. Gosh, yeah. I oh, I love that. So yeah, the uh, but yeah, I think like overall, like the cast instantly. Ge- oh, oh, we also have to talk about um, the the <laughs> drummer, the, the con in the room. <laughs> The con in the room. Uh, yeah. Laon Nudian Singh, uh, played by Christian Chong, who I'm pretty sure the casting the casting on this was we want Kamina Drummer from the uh from the expanse, but uh Kara G is not available right now. So they yeah. just but they, they literally just cast got a, another drummer because it's like the attitude and the look are all very reminiscent of that character. Which is fine. Yeah. I, no objections. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm into it. Love it. Um, I love that she's got a, a previous connection to Una. I think that's very good. I didn't know the Gorn were so gross. So this is a funny thing because the Gorn have like, they're, 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 their thing is like you have their first appearance, which is I think an iconic original series episode. But they don't actually ever like. Okay, so this is all new then. Yeah. So the fact that they all... use people like mating sacks. Yeah. So whatever that is. So literally, the there is their appearance in the arena. The next time that they appear is an Enterprise, like on screen. Like the next time a Gorn wow. appears on screen is an Enterprise in the mirror universe. Like wow. so. So the next. So like the. The, like the next time we see a Gorn on screen, oh sorry, no, they, they, there is one in a in an animated series episode, um, but I don't think about the animated series at all. Um, but yeah, the next time, like the next time you see the main continuity uh, Gorn <laughs> on screen is in Lower Decks. Wow, it's it is wow. Yeah, I'm like for for like, and they've been used all the time in non visual mediums because you don't because. Frankly, I think the reason the Gorn don't get used is because the, the you know we can't. Someone's got to be that lizard somebody's suit. He's got to be that lizard suit, and you know, just yeah, yeah. Interesting. I interesting. So, so what you're telling me is that the the things we learn about the Gorns in this episode are new. Yes. Um, there is basically we basically have no information on like the Gorn and um, the and this is before and this is actually before we get official first contact with the Gorn uh, because this is before Kirk's Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, so like this is all like when, when you're looking at it, it's all like unidentified contact and stuff of like, you know, they, they're not necessarily like there hasn't been official first contact made with them. And so it's just these colonists who got abducted, eaten, and murdered. Interesting. Yeah. Which, uh, okay. Yikes. <laughs> I'm very curious. I hope we get some expansion on what a breeding sack is. I uh, hope we don't. Justin's assertion is that it's a, like, I, I, th- I like a bag for eggs, like a, yeah. like a meat bag for eggs. But I have to say, I don't think that that's what you, you would call that like, a gestation sack or a an egg sack, I, breeding I, it's, sack. That's what I'm just assuming to go through with my head cannon, so I don't have to think about it further. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying breeding is a different word. I'm going to go with Justin's explanation. Okay. It's it's settled. Okie dokie. 
I love that we're clearly supposed to instantly love all these characters, which has not been consistent with like a lot of the mm-hmm. new Trek. Like, you know, I've been I've been actually I'm way behind in disco because I hit like the second to last episode in season two and then like couldn't watch it because I had too much anxiety and then I haven't watched since then. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Because uh, that's something that happens to me with, like, the ends of seasons with these, like, tense shows. Yeah. But, like, I've been going back to the start of Disco. And I feel like almost every character is introduced in a way where you have something to dislike about them immediately. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of, like, Philippa Giorgio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. But, like, Tilly, you're immediately supposed to think that she's, like, kind of annoying you're immediately supposed to think that saru is like kind of a paranoid stick in the mud um like they're all introduced in a way that's like they're defined by their negative qualities in a lot of ways whereas in this show they're very much the opposite they're very much defined by their best qualities and it we're we're supposed we're clearly like supposed to instantly love all of them and they have great chemistry and it's like the the acting is really solid and the writing as well of like it feels naturally like these are people who know each other and have established relationships and get along well mm-hmm. is there, there's none of the like awkward like and now we establish a relationship between these characters like it's kind of jumping in being like okay trust us they're friends it's cool yeah, yeah. and part of that is i think that you're starting on a different point in relationships than a lot than, yeah. like a lot of other shows because like Discovery is like, oh, hey, we've assembled this crew together for a experimental vessel. But Enterprise has been in the has been in the sea for like a while now. And so, like, there are some new people coming in, but most -hmm. of them are are people who know each other and are familiar with each other. And so you've got that easy rapport, which that's perfectly. And they nail it. They nail it. They they nail that rapport. Mm -hmm. And like. You know, I I want to highlight especially the difference between that and like you know the the leader of the start the new series of Star Trek films where you're there and you're supposed to feel you're supposed to think that like Kirk and Spock have some sort of deep friendship but it doesn't there's no evidence of it like yeah they've done no they've done no ground there's no chemistry yeah uh, I, they fix that by Star Trek Beyond because Star Trek Beyond is. Oh and yeah, Star Trek. I, part of that flaps. is because part of that is because somebody who actually likes Star Trek uh, wrote Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That that one slaps. We thank Simon Pegg every day for his contributions to society. <laughs> yes. But yeah, um, I th- so I'm, I'm just going through my actual notes here. One thing that I have to say is like the the greatest tribute to other Star Treks in this in this series is the slow. Uh, flyby shots of the Enterprise and Space Dock because they're like, yeah, we know what you want, and it's well lit flyby shots of of good CGI. Yeah, <laughs> practically pornographic shots it's, of the. Enterprise. I mean, it's nowhere near what they do in the first Star Trek movie, where it's like a five minute, <laughs> where it's a five yeah. minute like Space Dock thing. But it's like, okay, you, you done, you perverts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the the set design on like the bridge and everything. Oh my god, Ooh. it is chef chip, like chef kiss. Like the the production yeah. on the like the production on it is like the like the set is so perfect. Like it, yeah. it's this perfect way of updating 
a classic look while recognizing that like people want the classic look they want the chunky but, plastic things but realizing that like you know not even like modern military ships are just a bunch of buttons like they're like it's it's computers now and stuff and yeah. i think it, it's a it's a great way of updating the look for a modern audience and a modern design i read a really great thread on twitter about the the redesign of the enterprise bridge by uh okuda the guy that yeah for uh michael okuda he when he was putting the enterprise bridge together he was looking at because this guy's a fucking brilliant like designer he was thinking about the big chunky plastic like gem buttons Mm -hmm. and he was thinking about like what do these do how do we use them and so what he did is he labeled them all he put labels on them and then shot some test shots and what he found is you can't see the labels so his head cannon for this not even head cannon the guy designs this stuff so as far as i'm concerned it's it's good enough is that in the original series it's all labeled you just can't see it because the cameras don't pick up the labels that are on Mm -hmm. all of all of the things so in the new series they're all labeled you just they just don't pick up on camera right which i find very fun uh which i think is a great little note that like that's how much he thought about it was he went back and like labeled it all and then shot it on the camera and thought about like thought about it that much i think that's awesome and i mean like and there's still the touch screens there because it's like oh hey you've got to have a multifunctional display uh that could like change based on context or something or you could like layer menus and stuff because you've you've got to have your computer available but i it's it's overall it's just such a great design they've yeah they updated it really nicely really gracefully integrating those those screens into the big chunky buttons and stuff Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it really it really feels like it is the old Enterprise bridge, just like with higher production values and better cameras, yeah. like you've said. Yeah. yeah, and like the the costuming also is just mwah. the uh, like mm-hmm. between like the the Starfleet redesigns where it is noticeably something that looks like the original series, but like there's like that sort of like almost jersey material on the shoulders. That mm-hmm. like it's like oh yeah to let it's to let it breathe a little bit, as well as the Kylie aliens because oh hey once you take a look at at those at those shoulders and the and the those pant lines you're like hmm I'm thinking about something. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I love that Pike's presentation about where everything goes wrong in in Earth history is that it starts with January six. I don't know if I love it. Oh, yeah. Well, I have weird feelings about it. Yeah. But I do think it's yeah. very pointed. I, and it's it's something I find very funny is that Star Trek has a fun problem that every time they want to talk about how Earth went wrong and got to World War Three, the problem is that eventually they reach the start date for World War Three. <laughs> and you could just say yep. like enough timeline meddling has happened by Starfleet officers going back in time that it eventually that it just keeps delaying World War Three. And this time, it <laughs> like because originally the eugenics war started in the 1990s. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. Which this time it is the Second American Civil War, which leads to the eugenics war, which leads to World War Three, which I find very funny. <laughs> yeah, although we're right on track for the Bell riots. Yeah, we we. Uh, I like the, the bell. If you have been watching this second season of Picard, we are perfectly on time for the bell rides because the sanctuary district is going to mention there. 
Yeah. I'll, I'll say that I I am not caught up on Picard. I've watched the first few episodes and then yeah, haven't watched the rest. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go to it. I think the second season is better yeah. than the first, especially because they're not trying to do Mass Effect three. I was just gonna say <laughs> they didn't to my to the best of my knowledge, having read the Mass Effect wiki. They did not do a Mass Effect plot line. Yeah, no. It's, yeah. it's like a Voyager two-parter mixed with Star Trek First Contact. Like, <laughs> like it's specifically like there's... That is an offensively good comparison. Like, 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 like no, there's a specific Voyager two-parter about going into the, like, the present day and the past. No, I, and, I know oh, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. which episodes <laughs> you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like... You and I will have to talk about off... Okay. Well, I wanted to talk about, like, the thing with the... You know, where where you were saying Jude that it's like uncomfortably prescient. This, we're back to classic Trek man. This is what it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we've got. It's not pulling its punches. It's not like faffing around with like metaphor. It's being like, no, shit's fucked up, man. <laughs> like, yeah, things are bad. Why did you get politics in my Trek? Trek has always been so. Political. Let's to 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 bring it back to the to to sick bay here. Mm-hmm. We get a fun little thing about like how you go, how Starfleet is attempting to go undercover without cultural contamination, which is Nurse Chapel's. I, I look it up. It's the Stanford Morehouse Epigenetic Project, which just you know pops a bit of DNA in people and lets them take on like lets them take on like superficial looks of alien alien species. I texted Jude with this this morning, so. This could totally get you an alien dick, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was my first. Time. Like, like, the, like, I I went to sleep last night after watching this episode, and I in the middle of the night sat bolt up, and I was like, alien dicks. <laughs> I mean, this episode really reminds me of that episode where Riker gets stranded on the alien planet. <laughs> like and he's like transformed into the alien and then there's the and there's the like person down there who like really really wants to fuck him because he's an alien <laughs> right there's that there's that woman in the the elevator was, who's just, just like, like undressing who? pike with her eyes well who wouldn't for one yeah. uh and for two uh yes until she sees spock's ears pulsing <laughs> uncomfortably i have two Two favorite lines that we haven't talked about yet. Um, the first is the poor transporter boy. Oh, Chief, where they're just Chief like, Kyle, who I feel like is a recurrent, who is a, is a character, but I he doesn't have a he wiki exists. Book. Yeah, I I don't remember where I remember him from, but he he previously exists. Where he they, he said they tell him to do some obscenely stupid thing with the transporter, like. Can you transport this stuff onto onto Spock's eyeballs? And he's like, the transporter doesn't do that. And the exact line is like, can you? Ma- well, then just make it do that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's yeah. just yeah, classic. No. It's classic Trek where they're just like, don't care, technology monkey, dance for me. Yeah, I, <laughs> it just um, does it. It's great. Okay, yeah. yeah. So Kyle is is an original series character who appears in like. 11 episodes of the original series. The reason why I didn't clock him uh, at first and like thought is they, he's one of two characters who's they've re-spent the casting or uh, like they, they've, uh, cause he's a white dude, obviously in the original mm-hmm. series mm-hmm. as well as God, what's, uh, uh, April, who is the Admiral 
in the uh, or Robert April, mm. who was the original uh, commander of the Enterprise, who actually nice. has never been depicted in live action. He was uh, he was actually voiced by James Doohan uh, in the animated <laughs> series. Beautiful. Uh, but it's like, but there are two characters who they just decide. I they they decided. I'm like, I'm all for that. It's looks cool. Yep. And good good casting casting choices for both of them. Yeah, that the the guy that they got for that role has like really good. I'm sorry, what energy? Mm-hmm. Um, which is exactly what you need for a transporter tech. Um, <laughs> yeah, you you need that harried put upon energy if you're going to run a transporter on a star trek show oh absolutely you, you you are you are the most abused person on that ship the other line i love is when pike uh it, they've rescued everybody and pike's got una over his arm over his, his shoulder and <laughs> spock says uh we are fortunate they have not discovered us yet and una looks at him with just total disgust and she's like can you not jinx it and he's like it is not logical to assume Ding, and then the elevator's open. And, and then he immediately, just like, like, it's fuck. It's so good. Oh, that and she, then her reaction is just like, can you not jinx it? That my, my other favorite is, we used a spoon. <laughs> like, I mean, like, true, true, like, Starfleet chaos energy. <laughs> yeah. um, of, you know, I have to say, like, the. Like Spock, just like, oh yeah, no, this is incredibly painful. <laughs> like with his with the genetic deterioration of the the, the gene therapy treatment, yeah. and there's just the scene of him covering his ears, screaming, and then just like his ears are back through. Ah, oh, that's better. <laughs> it's yeah. and then everybody's like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Also, props to uh, Pike for just like shooting the double middle fingers and saying, "Screw the Prime Directive." Multiple. Uh, excuse me. General order. Oh, of right. Yeah, that'll never stick. Yeah, it's a prime, <laughs> They rename it the Prime Directive after he abuses it so completely in this episode that no one can possibly respect it ever again. Yeah, and so they have to rename it to the Prime Directive to reinforce how primary it is. I also really love at the very end when he says, "Like, what's our mission?" He's like, "Exploration." Yeah, to see new things. And Uhura's like, "Cool." <laughs> yeah just a fucking so nerd good. i love her so much uh, yeah. and she has the she has the quiet competence that she has in original series mm-hmm. as well yeah some fun things uh of course uh when, when in our first scene back on earth pike is watching the day the earth stood still which is just like we're gonna clue you out of what this episode is real quick yeah Oh, I have I had a Google search on my phone, still on my phone. Who the actual fuck is Samuel Kirk? Um, Which the whole episode, Pike is like, "When's Kirk gonna get here? When's Kirk gonna get here? We got we're we're missing some of our crew. When is L- Lieutenant Kirk gonna get here?" And then Lieutenant Kirk shows up, and he's <laughs> wearing a science one. uniform with a fucking goofy mustache. And I googled it, yeah. and apparently, it is uh, James Kirk's brother who in the original series is dead when they, when they find yes. him and they roll him over and it's just uh Shatner with a bad glued on mustache and like a slightly different part in his hair. <laughs> so it's, it's, oh, now th- I remember that. Um, so his, I love it. His, I guess the mustache is, is their reference to this fact. Yeah. St- and I love his status on the, the, the memory, memory alpha, which is the, the Star Trek wiki deceased 
killed by flying parasite, <laughs> which is, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I'm, I, I do enjoy the fake out. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Uh, cause apparently they have cast, uh, James T Kirk on this show f- for some point in the future. Uh, he's being played by, uh, one of the two broody vampire fuck boys from my wife's favorite vampire TV show. Which one? Vampire Diaries. Oh, okay. Oh, he's he, he's it's the uh, the blonde of the two vampire fuck boys sure. from the okay. Vampire Diaries. Can we also talk about how horny the Vulcans are in this episode? Oh Super yeah, horny. like yeah. And am I? Is it just me? But in the preview at the end, did you not? I got a fair bit of like hate fuck energy between spock and nurse chapel from oh from yeah the previews. yeah absolutely and that and that vibes with original series yeah. too where nurse chapel, chapel is like constantly trying to fuck spock. Yeah, yeah nurse chapel nice. is like humanity's fuck goal yeah. of like wanting to be alien fuckers i am into it <laughs> i am super into i'm that. realizing i'm realizing jude you haven't really seen original series have you i don't I've maybe watched one episode of the original oh, series shit. in my life. I think we should oh, like we, we should definitely do like a curated list because I there are some stinkers. Yeah, yeah, but but we should literally we should have you watch the episode that literally originated fanfic <laughs> or shipping shipping specifically. Yeah, if you give me a list, I'll watch them. Cool, especially if they're related. Like I prob I probably should watch the cage. I feel like that might yeah. be necessary at this point. There's a little cool jewelry box that Tepreg has to offer mm-hmm. Spock like a to offer him like his betrothal necklace or whatever, um, which is a very cool thing. But all I can think about was like how if I if if I had gotten that, I would have just kept popping it off and putting it back on yeah. because I could boink, not help boink, but fidget with that. Boink, boink. Uh, yeah. But it's like yeah. it's a I very fun design. The- I get the impression that the uh, the Vulcans probably bred fidgeting out of their genome yeah. a long time ago. I, okay. I do love how, like, the other thing about Vulcans they do, like, perfectly is they're all arrogant assholes still. Like, like Spock's like, yeah. as you know, Vulcans invented first contact. It's like, yeah, we know Spock. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, and then Pike immediately, like, not in, a, in, like, an asshole way, but in a very, like, camaraderie way is like as you frequently remind us (laughs) god i love their relationship it's so good the the energy that they have right off the bat is just perfect the the other the other thing that i want to like bring up for discussion here who else recognizes the name nudian singh i mean that's that's the important thing so um Yeah. yeah Um, well, that's why, that's why I said that name before. That's why I said that's why I said with the, the like when, I, when we were talking about her, the con in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, so in the episode, they they specifically uh, when she's talking with Doctor Mbanga, like they have like a weird little moment where they like clearly have talked with each other, and they have a, like a weird little eye thing which I don't recognize. But she's an augment, right? Like she has to be. I. Probably. I mean, it's, uh, I guess we're going to find out because, you know, it can't be a coincidence that they're dropping that name. No, that, like, that's a specific name that you don't reference unless it's like, you know. Yeah, she has to be somehow yeah, related. I, I, yeah, because I mean, the fact, the fact of the matter is they referenced the eugenics wars in this episode, 
they specifically they specifically say that Mbenga had to clear her for duty. Yeah. And I'm yeah, I mean there's And she well and she also refused sedation. Yeah. I mean I think that might be closer I think the, the sedation thing because of the Gorn might stuff. be because of the Gorn stuff. Yeah, it yeah. could be. Um but yeah, she clearly has some stuff going on uh related to Khan. So And there's also the fact that she was on some sort of mysterious colony? Question mark, question mark. I mm-hmm. I like, wonder this is things that because apparently people have much more time on the internet than me or just don't have to do their jobs. Uh it says the SS Puget Sound uh was her was their colony ship. I'm going to guess that like this might be like oh. might have been like, <laughs> Uh, like a colony of like rogue augments or something that that's what I'm going for here is just like that. That's going to be Puget sound botany Bay. Uh, yeah. I didn't even, I didn't even ca- catch that. Yeah. Uh, Cause Khan was on the, the botany Bay. Yeah. And it's specifically using SS as the yep. thing. Okay. I feel good about this. I feel good about the, the this. I like, I don't yeah. get the reference. But I'm I'll excited. Take your so word. botany Bay is the ship that caught like is the sleeper ship that Khan was on. Mm. Yeah, so that's gonna be like I I I just imagine we're gonna get a lot more information about her as the season goes along. I yeah. imagine she's gonna be my sad little meow meow who, um, <laughs> she will kill people and I will excuse her for it. Sorry. <laughs> it seems to be there's something that one of the showrunners said, um, who said she's related to Khan for sure, and uh. And the deal will unfold. We don't want yeah. to bring folks into the show to be splashy. We want to dig deeply into characters. Yeah, so um, that's fine. I, yeah, like that. So there's something there. I yeah, you don't do that on accident. So one thing I do love about the end of this episode is the speech that Pike gives to the Kylie aliens, specifically uh, where he's he's like he's processing his own like trauma at this point, but. Mm-hmm. There's a, like I, I think it's it's a good speech general, but he reminds the aliens that life is to be worn gloriously, and that is just so, so good. It's such a good line. I'm like, that's love it, absolutely love it. Especially with that speech, it really was like, oh man, we we've come home. Yeah, it, it is mm. like okay, we're 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 really hitting the 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 Star Trek feels here of like. Anson Mount does good speechifying. Oh my gosh, he's so good at it. Uh, I want to see him do Shakespeare. <laughs> okay. Also, we have an I Know That Face. We do. We do. Uh, Captain Pike's girlfriend, Captain Batal, who uh, they have bre- they have pancakes, and I mean, honestly, in that like fantastic house, uh, is played by uh, Mel- Melanie Scrifano, who I know as Winona Earp, uh, which is... I watched the first couple seasons of that show and did not recognize her without, without a fringy jacket on. Yeah. Somebody had to point it out to me and I was like, Whoa, Oh, huh. um, which I, I was like, I didn't catch it first. Somebody had to show that to me. And I was like, Whoa, um, that is wild. Also very thing that I as like, okay. I have a lot of like very specific things that I enjoy about Trek. One of them will not be touched in the show, which is the Romulans. And that's I, I'm just coming to peace with the fact that there's not going to be any Romulan content in this show. Yeah, probably not because the timeline is not right for it. But one of those is Andorians. 
And yes. at the end of and the episode, we've at least seen at one. The, at the end of the episode, uh, we get a somebody who beams aboard. We, he doesn't get any lines, but he's in the previews for the season. Uh, his name is Hammer. He's going to be the chief engineer of the Enterprise. Fuck yes. He is not just an Andorian. He is an Einar. Of the Einar, I don't know what that are means. A, are a subspecies of Andorians who are basically albino Andorians, um, who have telepathic powers. So not only do we get like Andorians, we get like my favorite special, like special like sauce flavor of Andorians who are like <laughs> super special with sprinkles on top. Where like I have played, I've played Einar characters in RPGs before. <laughs> That's funny. I am so excited for this. <laughs> nice. All right. We got anything else we want to talk about here? No, I think we did a pretty good coverage of this yeah. one. Um, I, don't, I don't think all of our episodes are going to go this long uh, because we're not going to be just talking about Star Trek. We've already gone through the cast, yeah. too. Um, but next week, we're going to be covering episode two, Children of the Comet. Um, until next time, hit it. Strange New Pods is a limited-run series by The Babylon Project, a member of the OK So Network. All of you expressed are our own. Music credits can be found in the show notes. Play your life gloriously.